choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Oh yes, there's pleasure in sin for a short time. Not because we want to isolate Russia, we don't. And back live now, uh, that was a, a sample, and as more police arrived and they found more victims, uh, it's really heartbreaking to hear them call. And when you hear that message, you're going to know that we're so close. We could be gone before this service is over. So today we're moving into the second week of uh, our fall series that we're offering this year, which we're dealing with the subject of biblical prophecy that we've called, What in the World is Going On? And we call it that because so many people are wondering, what in the world is going on? It's a, it, it, it's a very interesting, exciting, a tough time to uh, live today. But last week I shared with you how I believe that the Lord is getting ready to what I call birth the, the kingdom of Jesus Christ into the world. And uh, we, we looked at Romans chapter 8 where, where the Apostle Paul talks about how uh, God is uh, getting ready to uh, uh, shake. The, the, the hall of creation is, is, is literally shaking or getting ready to give birth to a new kingdom. It's longing for the day of its redemption. And so he kind of used that analogy of, uh, of a, what it's, it's like when a, a woman is nearing the time of delivery and going through delivery and so forth. That's what we're seeing happening in the world today and how it's pointing towards the, the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But before he establishes his, his kingdom upon uh, planet Earth, two things have to happen before that. Uh, the, one of the great events that has to take place is what the Bible calls the Great Tribulation. And I'm not going to say any more about that other than the fact that we'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks. So we'll be, we'll be helping you to understand what the Great Tribulation is at that time. I'll reference it a little bit this morning, but mostly we'll be talking about that in two weeks. The other great event that must take place before Jesus comes back and establishes his kingdom on earth is something that is talked about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, where it reads, The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So the event that the Apostle Paul's talking about here in 1 Thessalonians 4 is oftentimes referred to by Christians, and we've even sung about it this morning, called the rapture or the rapture of the church. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Now, the rapture or the word rapture does not appear anywhere in the Bible. And you say, well, why do you use it? Because it is a Latin word that defines exactly what 1 Thessalonians 4, what the verses were that I just read to you. It's talking about a catching away. In fact, that's what the word rapture literally means. This Latin word means to catch away or to seize. And so it's, it's a Latin word that, that, uh, that properly describes the Greek word that we translate into English, catch away or caught up. It says here in, in the New Living Translation, it uses the words caught up in the air with the Lord, you know. So that 
that Latin is rapturo, from which we get the English rapture, and we, um, and we just use that as a term to define the coming of Jesus, not to establish his kingdom on earth, but he's coming in the clouds to translate, to catch up, to seize us, if you will, all true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ to forever be with him. Let me share a few other scriptures that talk about this very thing as well. There's all kinds of them. I'll just give you two. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. In this particular scripture, it's the first chapter of Acts. It's uh, Jesus giving his last words as he's being caught up and, 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 and going back to heaven after his resurrection, okay? So these are his last words to his disciples. This is what it says happened. He was taken up into the cloud while they were watching, and, the, and, and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men, in other, in other words, angels, suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday will return from heaven in the same way you have seen him go. So don't just stand around and look for that. Get busy doing something for Jesus, all right? That's what the, that's what the intention is here. Be busy with your life, working for the Lord until he does return. In John chapter 14, it reads, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, in my father's house are many mansions. Obviously, this is Jesus talking. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you. Well, if I'm, that makes sense, right? If I'm going to prepare something for you, I'm going to come and get you and take you to that place that where I am there, you may be also. So both of these scriptures, in addition to the one in First Thessalonians uh, 4, speak emphatically about the, about the truth that Jesus is coming again, that what we've sung about this morning is actually going to happen, that Jesus is coming again. So does the Bible talk about this? And if so, what does it say will happen on or about the you know, the time of the rapture of the church. I want to share three thoughts with you this morning that I see from the scripture. There are really many thoughts I could share, but I don't have time to do everything. So I'm just going to give you three thoughts this morning that I see about the script, scripturally about the rapture of the church. Number one, Jesus will come when the world is like it was in the days of Noah and Lot. You probably know who Noah is. If you're newer to the Lord, you may not know who Lot is. I'll explain who he is in just a moment. So if, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Luke's gospel, chapter 17, in, in verse number 20 in that, in that chapter of the Bible, it says that the Pharisees came to Jesus and they asked him, when will the kingdom of God come? In other words, um, we want you to give us a prediction on when Israel's going to get rid of Roman rule, when we're going to be out from under the foot of, of Rome, when Israel's going to be a, is going to return to national prominence, be a world power again, all of these types. When is that going to happen? But Jesus starts to help them to understand that their thinking about the kingdom of God is wrong, that what God wants to do is in the heart of man, not in the nations of man, primarily. 
He does work in nations, but he works primarily in our hearts. And so he tells them that the kingdom of God is not a matter of politics. It's, it's not a matter of national prominence, you know, one nation over another. It's a matter of the heart. And then when you go down to verse 21, it says that he said to them that the kingdom of God is already in you if you have accepted him into your heart. So it's not a matter of your nationality. It's not a matter of your ethnicity. It's not a matter of your religiosity. Not a matter of your churchianity. Any of that. It's a matter of your heart. What he's saying is... Civil government doesn't save us. The elections that will take place in a little over a year are not going to save you or America. They're important, but they are not our Savior. Our Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of human government. It's a matter of heart government. So here's the essence of what Jesus is saying to them. Who is going to govern your heart? Who is going to govern your soul? Is it you or God? If it's God, then the kingdom of God is within you. And it doesn't really matter what's happening out here because you're going to live forever. All right? So this is temporary. That's eternal. All right? And if you don't think it's, if, if you don't think it's temporary, just look in the mirror. You just see how temporary this life is. You're on your way to eternity. So he says, if you know that, if you've made Jesus your Savior, if you made uh, the Lord God your Lord, the Lord of your heart, forgiven of sins and so forth, the kingdom of God is within you. But having said that, Jesus did acknowledge that as a part of God's prophetic plan, the time will come when God is going to put an end to all the unrighteousness that we see around us. And he's going to establish a new world order. And that new world order is going to be under the dominion of Jesus Christ. He will become the the Lord and Christ over the world. He will govern the world. And the Bible tells us that will happen for a thousand years. It's what's called the millennial reign of Christ, the word millennium meaning 1,000. So the 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ. And he says before that happens, you're going to see some signs in the world that tell you this is about to happen. All right? So let's pick it up in verses 26 through 37 of Luke 17. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in the, in, in the days of Noah and Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time that Noah entered the boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying, selling, farming, building, until the morning Lot left Sodom, then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be, get this, business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person out on the deck of his roof must not go down into the house to pack. They, you know, we have pitched roofs here. They had flat roofs there. And they would utilize those flat roofs. That was part of their social area. And so the guy who's up there on the flat roof shouldn't go down. But why? Because this is going to happen way too fast. You can't go down and pack, he's saying. Um, And the person... 
who is out in the field must not try to get all the way home to get ready for the coming of the Lord because it's going to happen too, too fast. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. If you don't know what happened to Lot's wife, we're going to talk about Lot in just a minute. But they were delivered out of Sodom and she longingly looked back as the, the Lord was bringing judgment down upon Sodom and destroying the city. And because of her sin for, of wanting to stay where she was at, she, was, she became a pillar of salt and died right there and uh, became a statue of salt at that, at that very moment. And so Jesus is validating here the story about what happened to Lot's wife. He's saying that's not just some weird Old Testament story. That really happened. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. And, of course, they all knew what happened to Lot's wife. Uh, verse 33, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. If you let your life go, you will save it. What's he talking about? If you cling to being God over your own life, you're going to lose your soul. But if you, if you release your life to Jesus, then you will save it. That night... Two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour together, one at the, uh, at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Two men be working out in the field, one taken, the other left. Now, why is it that some stay and some go? It's because it's a matter of the heart. If Jesus is governor of the heart, if Jesus is savior of the heart, then that person will go. But the person who may be religious may come to this church every Sunday but they never make that decision, they won't be ready. And when the rapture happens, they'll stay and, and true believers will go. Um, uh, where will all this happen, Lord? The disciples asked. Jesus replied, just as the gathering vulture shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. So Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, so it shall be at the time of his return. So we need to, to know from scripture, how was it during the days of Noah and Lot? And we, there are probably many descriptions of that time, but I just want to share four with you this morning. First of all, people were oblivious to what was about to come, what was about to happen. Remember him saying that everybody's out doing everything just as usual with no thought about anything ever changing, ever being any different. Um, so Jesus said they continued to act as if there would never be a time of accountability for their actions. Right up to the time that Noah entered the ark, right up to the time that Lot and his family fled Sodom, everybody was acting like there's no accountability. We can do whatever we want with our lives. God doesn't care and he'll never do anything about it, even if there is a God. So are we acting like that today? Well, of course, that's a subjective answer. My feeling is we are acting like that today. To me, it's amazing. It seems like there's no fear of accountability for actions today. There's no, accountab there's, there's no sense of accountability to laws in, in America, of consequences, either the laws of man or the laws of God. People act like they can do whatever they want without consequence. So what we have is a near total disregard of authority. If that gets bad enough, it turns into anarchy. Law enforcement can only control a small, a small amount of discord. If the discord becomes big enough, it can't control it anymore. It's not, 
not able to. That makes sense. So what we're seeing here is a, a disregard of authority today, both man's authority and God's authority, and that can lead to anarchy if it goes deep and far enough. The second thing Jesus talked about is the party life. He says the party life is in full swing during Noah's time. In other words, he's talking about moral decay of that day. So are we seeing moral decay in our world today? Well, you don't have to answer that one. The moral decay of America is corrupting us as a people. And what's amazing to me is that is the change that had happened just over the last 50 years or 40 years, probably even the last 10 or 15 years, the amount of change is absolutely amazing what has happened as a new culture, a new generation comes up that has no regard for uh, a sense of decency and morality. And, and so while people of a, of, of a former generation used, maybe they weren't born again, but they had a sense of decency about them. We see because of entertainment and the corruption of entertainment, we see a degrading of that in our culture to where now we have people who engage in uh, very immoral actions and are shocked if you tell them that God's not happy with that because it's so common today. It's so natural today. So it, it ultimately can create a society of people that are totally selfish because they're so focused on their own needs and their own desires. And that's what's behind the sexual revolution and everything. It's just it's total, it's hedonism is what it is. So Jesus said in Noah's day, there was the party life, but he also talked about a man by the name of Lot. Now, if you don't know who he is, Lot was the nephew of Abraham. You've probably heard of Abraham, who's the father of all the Jews. And, and Lot settled in a region of the world by two cities called Sodom and Gomorrah. These two cities in the Old Testament, I don't have, it's in Genesis, I don't have the chapter for you, but in the Old Testament book of Genesis, it talks about the, the incredible sexual perversion of Sodom and Gomorrah. And because of that, God brought judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah and destroyed them both. And Jesus said, it's going to be like that in the world just prior to his return. That's another sign. Third, from Genesis chapter 6, verses 11 and 13, uh, this, this particular one specifically is dealing with Noah. God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. So that's a very specific characteristic of the days of Noah, a very violent time, extreme violence. I will wipe them all out along uh, with the earth. And so, so violence was a predominant characteristic. Is it the same today? Boy, you know, even if it doesn't turn into physical acts of violence, have you noticed how angry people are? There's, it's, it's like... They got a short fuse, and that fuse has been lit. And, and I don't know who lit it, but it's setting people off. It's, it's just incredible. Terrorism is, is just 
out of control. It's demonic. I believe that when a society or when a, a people group, not just an individual, but when a society rejects God, the Spirit of the Lord doesn't totally pull away, but he somewhat pulls away and gives people what they want. So you don't want me? Okay, I'll pull away. Something fills the, the vacuum. What fills is the spirit of evil, demonic influence. And people don't even know that's what's behind their actions or their attitudes. But it's demonic in its origins, all right? And that was true in Noah's day, and it's true in the world today. And some of that is easy. I mean, when you see ISIS beheading people, it's easy to say that's demonic. But some of the stuff that's even going on in our schools and on our highways and so forth is just as, as serious of an issue, you know. And, and it has behind it some demonic stuff. All right. Uh, a fourth characteristic of Noah's day was how quickly judgment came. That's also true of Lot, how quickly the judgment fell. Remember what happened to the world at Noah's time? Most of you are aware that during Noah's day, the flood came and it wiped out the whole earth and every living thing except for Noah and his family. But before the flood came, this one I want you to pick up on, that Jesus said everything was normal. Everything with people were just out getting married. They were out doing their business as usual. They gave no thought to God, no thought to judgment. Now, Noah was preaching to the people. He was warning the people, but they mocked him. The, until the day came when Noah and his family, along with two of every, uh, a male and a female of every species of animal, were brought onto the ark that Noah and his sons had built, and then God opened up the heavens and he opened up the, the water from under the earth and it all gushed forth and it says that the water rose till it covered the highest of mountains. So Mount Everest was totally covered. Everything was covered with water to the degree that people, everything that breathed by air perished. What I want you to see is up until the time they walked into the ark and God shut that door, everything was fine. And they mocked the idea of judgment. They mocked the idea of God, you know, at all. And so is that going on today? Well, you have to judge that for yourself. But it, Jesus says it'll be like that when he returns. People are going to be about their lives with no thought of God, maybe even making fun of God, making fun of Christians. Oh, those simple-minded people. They're so stupid, you know. Then suddenly, everything is going to change without notice, without warning. What's the change? Instantly, believers are going to be raptured off of the planet, and all hell is going to break loose on the earth. So Jesus said, as it was in Noah's day and Lot's day, so it will be when he returns. I think we're seeing these signs being fulfilled right now. Number two, we can't know the date of the rapture, but we can read the signs. In fact, the word of God tells us to do that. Matthew 24 uh, says, no one knows the day or the hour. This is Jesus talking. When these things will happen, not even the angel of heaven or the son himself, only the father knows. So we cannot know the exact day or hour, but we can read the signs. 
Again, going back to Luke 17, Jesus said, just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, you can read the signs that, we, that the end is near. There's signs that the uh, prophetic vultures are, are uh, so to speak, are, are circling. Matthew 24, he says, learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that the summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know that Christ's return is very near. It is right at the door. So it's like right at the threshold part of the door. So Jesus said, when you see these things happening, it's a sign of the Lord's return. Now you might say to me, oh, pastor, uh, these kind of things have been going on forever, and that is true. The signs, some of the signs of his coming have been going on since Jesus left. But Jesus said that the generation that sees all of these signs happening at the same time, in the same season, that generation will not perish, but will see the coming of the Lord. Luke 21, then he, then Jesus gave them this illustration. Notice the fig tree or any other tree for that matter. When the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that the kingdom of heaven is near. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass, but the word I'm giving you right now, solid. It's guaranteed in the courts of heaven. Um, So we can know that. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, another sign, when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. Uh, The New King James Version puts that last little phrase, then sudden destruction comes upon them. But here's what I want you to hear, because if you're scared right now, I don't want you to be scared. All true followers of Christ are going to escape all of this. You will be raptured before this happens upon planet Earth. If you keep yourself pure, if you keep yourself ready, if you keep yourself joined to Jesus. Now listen, can I be straight with you today? A lot of Christians are in and out in their relationship with God. I don't understand that. Either serve him or don't. One way or the other. Either decide right now, you're going to serve him or you're not going to serve him. And and there are blessings to the one decision and consequences to the other decision. But you can't keep going in and out. Now, I know we all fail. I'm not talking about failure here. I'm talking about the intention of your heart. And some of you, you, you just are in with God. And then the little thing comes along and, oh, I'm all ticked off at God now. And so I quit. And you got to quit doing that. The devil's got you a hook in you. You've got you've to break that, that thing and, and stay committed to Jesus. Luke 21, 36 says, keep alert at all times. Why? Because you don't know when Jesus is coming. You can know the season. You can look at the signs and say, I think it's soon. But we don't know for sure. But we do know that he's coming. And we're seeing these things happening in our generation. I believe that we are the generation. Now, that may not happen in my lifetime, but I believe that people in this audience right here are going to see Jesus come back. You're going to experience that. You're going to be raptured off of this planet. What an amazing thought. 
Amen. That's exciting, isn't it? <laughs> Think about that. Anyway, let me give you one last thing I want to tell you, and I, I'm going to wrap up. The Bible tells us what's going to happen. For those who are ready, the rapture will unite them with their Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll be about our business, like Jesus said, living for him, and suddenly we'll be gone. We'll be caught up with the Lord. First Thessalonians 4.17 says, Then together with them, with those who have already died, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up, that is, we'll be raptured in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then we will be with the Lord forever. And so if you die before this happens, uh, your spirit immediately goes to be with Jesus. But at, the, the, at this, this event, your spirit's going to come back with the Lord in the clouds and God's going to restructure your body that has turned to, to uh, food for the worms, you know. And, and, you're, and he's going to bring it on. It's going to be a glorified body. First John 5 says, we don't know what we shall be, but we know this. When we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And say, well, how was Jesus? He's not talking about Jesus before his resurrection. He's talking about Jesus after his resurrection. So you go to the gospel, you say, what was Jesus' body like uh, after his resurrection? Well, man, he could all of a sudden appear in a room, you know. Didn't have to open the doors or anything. Boom, there he is, you know. But he had substance to him because he said to Thomas, touch my hands, touch my side. Look at, look at the nail marks. Look at the spear mark, you know. Look at the crown of thorn marks, you know. Touch me. He says, touch me. See, it's me. And then when they're out fishing on the lake and they didn't catch anything, Jesus is there with a fire by the side of, of the lake, and they didn't know it was Jesus. And he says, hey, cast your net on the other side. And they said, well, we've been doing it all night, but because you say so, you know. And so they throw on the other side, and what happens? You know the story. Man, it just about rips the net trying to get all the fish in, a miracle from God. And then the Lord already has some fish frying for them right there, and he sat there and ate with them. So there's something about this glorified body, and John says, we're going to be like that. We're, we're going to be like, I'm going to have hair. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe it. And I'm going to be six foot four. I'm still going to be good looking. <laughs> oh, she, she's believing for that. Uh, <laughs> but we're, we're going to be changed. We're going to be different. We're, we're going to be made new. And so, so if we've died, our new bodies are going to be by God and, and our spirit's going to come together and we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And we who are still alive when this happens are going to be instantaneously changed into this new glorified body and you'll just be boop, instantane and you'll be on your way up and and to the clouds of the air and you're if you've got a fear of heights you will have no fear of heights at that moment you know you're going to be so focused on Jesus it isn't going to bother you one bit and he's going to take us on home now let me just real quickly give you just some last thoughts the, this phrase caught up from which we get the word rapture it's interesting when you go into the original Greek language, it has some some color to its language to the language. I don't mean it's off colored. I mean it's it's got some different variances to it. What what it actually means, and I thought you'd you'd find this interesting. So let me tell you, uh, I think four things here. First of all, the phrase "caught up" means to catch away speedily. 
That means it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. I don't know how fast that is, but I think it's very, very fast. It'll happen before you can react. Um, secondly, the phrase caught up means to seize by force. So the enemy will not be able to hinder in any way this, re, this, re, this return of Jesus. Thirdly, caught up means to move to a new place. Read John 14, 1 through 3. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And when I come again, I'll receive you to myself and take you there. All right? And then fourth, the phrase means to rescue from danger. So we will be rescued from what is going to come upon the earth. But to those left behind, they're going to move into a time called in the Bible the Great Tribulation. It'll be a time of God's judgment upon the sinful world. And it'll also be a time of Satan's wrath where he will be released to do what he wants. And so it, the book of Revelation mostly talks about the tribulation period. That's what it's mostly talking about. So you want to know what that's about, read that book. But we're going to be talking about it in a couple weeks. So you say, well, pastor, are you telling me that Jesus is coming today? I am telling you that he could come today. We are seeing the signs. I don't know if he's coming today, this week, this month, this year. I don't know when he's coming. I just know he's coming soon. And so the question is, are you ready? Here at Live Church, we pray that you have a blessed week. Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can always go to lifechurchutah.com.